Hi guys, this is Paul Konchesky and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is J-Mac and I'm your host recording live from a phone on, on an Armitage Shank sponsored walk from Old Trafford after an utterly toilet performance again for us whites. As I walk past the Wolverhampton border with a packet of Tesco all butter mince pies and a vegan Christmas sandwich. But first, thanks to former left back Paul Koncheski for opening the show. Paul made 122 appearances scoring two goals for the whites in a roller coaster of a Fulham career. Signed by Laurie Sanchez, he played a big role in the great escape under Hodgson, followed by our highest ever league finish of 7th, ending his tenure in the black and white of Fulham, playing the full 120 minutes in the legendary Europa League final. Despite the Europa success, Conch's personal moment of glory came at Upton Park when he smashed a rocket past his beloved West Ham. Despite his connections with the Hammers, he appeared as delighted as we were with the strike and celebrated the goal with us. Legend. Danny Boy has a Q&A with Conch coming up very soon, so be sure to check that out. Paul Koncheski, we salute you. Right, Don and Reese are with me. Let's do this. Fulham. Right, guys, a quick peppering of the Man United with all your overall thoughts. We can then talk West Ham and analyse who should start and why and combine the two events. So, dubious red cards, dubious alleged onside goals, dubious bloody defending, dubious team selection... Just not a good away day for us. And I'll quickly get a reaction from both of you and we can move swiftly on to how we can improve for West Ham. So, Mr. Reese, were Man United actually there for the taking or do we need a reality check after last Saturday? Um, I think, you know, a lot of Fulham fans going into this game would have thought, given how Man United have been sort of somewhat stumbling in recent weeks, stinking and, you know, our upturn, our results against, our result against Southampton mainly. Personally going in there thinking, hang on, we can actually get something out of this. But the game was just a big dose of reality in just how big a gulf there is in the Premier League from the you know from the big sides uh, to the little sides, which you know which is which is what we are. In regards to sort of the overall context of the game, I think a lot of that it's one of those games where we're down the bottom, so luck's go, luck's going against us. For instance, when Dennis Adoy is you know tackling Ashley Young for uh, for their first goal. The fact that Odoi manages to tackle him, manages to block the ball, but it just falls right into his path. It's one of those, on any other day, on any other pitch, the blade of grass would have bowled the ball the other way and, you know, it would have gone out for a corner, say. The luck, you know, unlucky on another day and Gieser's red card, you know, second yellow, it you know, gets waved away. On another day, Marcus Rashford decides not to try a goal from an impossible angle and, you know, beat Rico at his, at his, at his near post. But I just... I think, you know, most people would have written the game off in, and in some ways they were sort of right to. I think it's uh, it's either at M- uh, Mike Gregg, everyone knows him on, on Twitter, is at uh, MJG1966 or 1966MJG, one of the two, basically says that the games against the big six are write-offs. And in fairness, they are. But it's more the performance and the way that it's gone about was just a big, as you know, as you said, a big dose of reality and just how difficult this job is and how big a task Claudio Ranieri has in the games, the, 
in the games and the months ahead. Exactly. And what are your thoughts on this, Don? Was this an experiment for Claudio Ranieri, do you think, with his lineup? Was he just did he get some answers out of this game, regardless of the wipeout that we experienced? Uh, well, first off, hello, everyone. Uh, you know, it was kind of weird because I haven't heard. I, I, maybe you two can correct me, but supposedly Lee Machon, or no, I'm sorry, Chambers had a weird incident. They didn't even describe it as a, an injury that mm. was last minute and he had to be left behind in, in London. So I think that threw everything off, you know. I don't know what it was. Did did you hear J Mac? What what was the actual reason? Well, I've just heard it was a knock, and Claudio Ranieri described it as a little problem. I mean, there's been a lot of conspiracy theorists thinking that's Callum Chambers trying to negotiate a way back into Arsenal because of Rob Holding's injury. I don't think that is. I'm, I just I'm I'm too good natured to think that's the case. But I, I okay, that would make sense. <laughs> uh, now now if I if I understand the news correctly though. Mm-hmm. Arsenal forgot to leave in a uh, recall clause. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting then. But I so mean, if they did that, I mean, there's no legal way he can get back. No, in I my mind. No, I don't think there is a legal way he can get back. Um, I, I think it would have been pointed out through news right now if it had. I mean, what, what are your thoughts, Reese, on Chambers thing? Do you think this is potentially an actual issue that he's trying to get back to Arsenal? Um. Personally, no. I think the fact that he seems to have been somewhat um, uh, revitalised under Ranieri, you know, he was never going to get any uh, first-team games at Arsenal. He's still not going to get any first-team games at Arsenal. This is really the only place he's going to get ninety, you know, get ninety minutes. So mm. it, it, you know, it's it's it's, it's obviously going to be a personal choice for him whether or not he wants to, whether or not he wants to stay. You know, I'm not 100 percent sure of the contract negotiations and the uh, minutiae of it. But if there is the option to bring him back, uh, for, to, to send him back rather, then hopefully Arsenal don't exercise it because I maintain there's a there is a very very good Premier League player in there. You know, we found out that he's you know he seems to be better as defensive midfielder or central midfielder than he is a centre back. So we can absolutely use him, and we just got to hope that there isn't that little clause in there that Arsenal uh, can exercise. Yeah. Well then. Let's let's link this with a West Ham preview. I mean, so, Don, I thought that Dennis Adoy would thrive in the right-back position. And he, he was, well, I thought he was bloody terrible on Saturday. I mean, that, that, Adoy at right-back against West Ham is something we want to avoid, correct? What do you think? I, I just, at this point, I don't care. If, I said it last pod. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's why I asked you. Uh, you know. <laughs> Apologies for coughing. I've been dealing with this darn chest cold and everything. Um, mm. You know, I'm sorry, but Adoy really would be better off in the championship. I just don't think he's this level, okay? And I could say the same for a lot of the players that are currently in this squad. A lot of them shine and look brilliant at various moments and do some, oh, my God, like even Adoy uh, – uh, that was in the United game. He had a great cross. Unfortunately, it was behind Metro and everybody, but it was a great cross. So, you know, even players that don't necessarily belong at this level can shine at certain times, okay? It's the consistency that is lacking, and that is what's killing us here is the consistency, not just from players playing together and knowing each other from game to game, match to match, but the consistency of their individual play. Uh, another example would be Siri, you know, 
I thought he looked lost in the United game, completely lost. You know, and he started out brilliantly in the beginning of the season. Uh, yeah. And Gisa, oh my lord, I feel bad for him because I actually thought at various times he looked really good and really strong. Unlucky on the red card. I I, I looked at it several times and I just don't understand how that was a, a second yellow. But that's me. I, I I think he went in full force, fair and square, and won the ball. Uh, and I think you know what's his name. Uh, Rashford. Yeah, Marcus Rashford. I think he just sold it. You know, he got all mad because he lost the ball and he sold it. So, yeah. When you, when it comes to Chambers and that holding midfield, though, we got to think about this next game against West Ham because if Chambers isn't going to play or does have a knock and then Angisa is out, that's two spots that we really got to worry about. <sighs> That leaves Johansson, K-Mac. Again, I don't think there's anybody really there. I, I, Reese, who, who would you drop in there? Um, personally, I'd, uh, the, uh, for Anguissa, the first one would be Kevin McDonald, but we're not 100% sure on whether or not he's going to be back from injury. Right. Failing, failing that, you'd have to go you know, as close to like for like as you can, so it'd probably be Stefan Johansson. Failing that, we saw Ibrahim. You'll you'll know this, J Mac. You were there. Mm. Uh, Ibrahim Cisse came on for his, and I've heard some people say that he put in a good put in a good performance. Do you think that he's the guy to drop in, or do you still think he's a little bit, uh, still a bit a bit raw, so to speak? Again, I mean, probably a victim of my own sort of good nature. I'm not sure, but I thought he looked good. I thought he looked much more reassured in the in the minutes that he played than Angisa and Seri in that position. And we've got to remember Zizé's natural position is a CDM. I mean, he he looked good. He's never never performed a step wrong. I mean, he just wasn't favoured by Jokanovic, and I don't know for what reason. But he's obviously doing something in training that Ranieri likes, and I personally would be more than up for Zizé to play uh, and start the next game until I'm proven wrong because at the moment we've been proven wrong by Seri and Angisa too many times now Just saying, hey, do you think we get into a stage where we can start thinking about dropping Seri permanently because there is that bit of a divide within our fan base of whether or not he's actually uh, not not necessarily good enough but whether or not he's you know got enough fight in him to be hmm. um, to be in the position you know, to be in a team in the position that we're in well, Seri's meant to be a confidence player, apparently. This is Ranieri said, I'm going to give this amazing player confidence again. And apparently he had a good game at Leicester. I thought it was so-so, but some people thought he was amazing. Some people thought he was the man of the match that game. But I don't understand how we can give this guy confidence from starting after bad performance, after bad mediocre, after bad performance, you know? So I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily want to say goodbye to Seri forever but I think he needs to be dropped I think this guy needs a break but then again it's West Ham and they've got such great players at the moment in flying form so it's a tricky situation Don what do you think on the Seri fight serenade me you know you're you're correct uh West Ham currently is doing really well although their last game was only 3-2 so I can't say it was like an awesome game but still they won you know so they've got three wins under their belts in a row again our problem goes beyond just Chambers and AK or K-Mac or anybody else playing in that holding position. Our problem goes back to the defense and a clean sheet, which, <clears throat> excuse me, is eluding us 
and I have no answer as to how we're going to get that clean sheet, not with the current squad and the way it is. Now, let's link back real quick to both uh, the previous games, Leicester and, and United. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I don't think United is a top six team. I, I think those days are gone, and I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-road, upper, you know, mid-table type team right now. Now, granted, they they made us look like you know schoolboys in our our game match against them, yeah. but it's not like they were. Oh my God, you know. No, I mean you know Brighton beat them. Crystal Crystal Palace drew with them. I mean they they, this, they are they were not that good. Sure, they beat us, but they weren't that good. And obviously neither are we. But I completely agree with you. So again, my my problem there is if you watched a lot of the goals, it always had to deal with either a late run from a player that wasn't being marked or, you know, two players coming out of the center, not even being marked. And that's a real problem. You know, we're, we're just leaving these players unmarked because, and this is where people like Siri, uh, Vito, Schurler, they're, they're fairly decent creative players, but they're not defensive minded players. Okay. And they're not tracking back. And when they're not tracking back, it's leaving everything wide open. And that's where we were missing Chambers. Huge, huge miss was Chambers. So whatever's going on, a knock or you know him desiring to go back to Arsenal, because unlike Reese, I do think he's got a good chance of playing with all the injuries they've got right now. I hope he gets everything together, and I hope he's there for West Ham and for our future throughout you know the remaining season, because we need him there. So... I don't know what the answers are going into West Ham. And that's going to be the real big question is, how do you organize this team against West Ham to get some type of result? Or at least look like we're putting in something. Doesn't it feel odd to be saying we need Callum Chambers after the after the abuse that he got? Yeah. Following, <laughs> I can't remember what game it was. Was it, was it Wolves? There was one game where he, hit, he was really, really bad. So uh, someone's going to have to... Cardiff, that was it. It was Cardiff. All the abuse he got after that. Now everyone's saying, "Oh, he could be the he could be the the, the catalyst and the main man to keep to keep us staying up." It's just a bit yeah. odd. The, the little twist. Well, well let's Cam let's clarify that. Let's clarify that though. In his current role, not as a center back. I yeah, just... yeah, I know. I know. There's, I okay. know there's change position. Yeah, I know that. But it's it's, it's just a bit funny. Well, yeah. you're right. You're right. So, Reese, do you think that Seri? could actually benefit from going in TC's role as the number 10 instead. Would that inspire him with more comments? Because he's rubbish at tracking back, but then again, so can he. So I just don't know how to get the best of these two when they're on the same bloody pitch. What do you think? Yeah, it's a case if you got every every team has to find a player to, you know, to build their t- to build their team around. You know, Man City do it with the likes of David Silva. Uh, Man United you know, have tried to do with Pogba, that's not why. We've got to find one player to build our team around. And mm. if that needs to be Seri in a number 10 role, I think I think he can do that role because, you know, similar to similar to Andre Scherler, he's not going to fill in uh, defend. He's not going to fill in defensively. That's yes. fine. So, but if we're in the if we have to sort of sacrifice his defensive work and uh, Mitrovic's defensive work, because Ryan Sessegnon on the left wing will track back. We may need to find a right winger who's willing to who's willing to track back. Maybe, um, you know, we're linked with uh, Moses in January, or there's been talk about Moses in January. He can certainly do the defensive work. 
So have nine, you know, nine players back and have Siri and Mitrovic up as the the counter-attacking options, because that's what Claudio is trying to do. Then yes, I think there's there's a there's a place for him. But then the question is, where does Tom Kearney fit into that? If and you know, it's been a debate that we've had for a for a long time. Can the two of them coexist in the same team? You know, if you put Siri as a number 10, you'd have to drop Tom Kearney deeper. Can we really afford to do that? I'm not a hundred. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. Well, you always did say that actually Kearney could be, if it was a four-two-three-one narrow, Kearney could play on the right. Is that not a good idea? Potentially. I, on, I only said that because I've said if I because I tried to predict Claudio's first lineup and it was ah. trying to recreate as best as possible the Leicester City uh, team that won the title. And Riyad Mahrez and Tom Kearney are a similar sort of player, left-footed number ten on the right wing. Like I said, but again, if you put him on the right wing, is he going to track back defensively? Probably. Actually, no, he, he's done a bit of it. Maybe him. So maybe if we have to put him on the right wing, but I know that's going to get, a, that's got a lot of abuse from uh, Fulham fans about the idea. It's going to get a lot of abuse from Fulham fans about the idea. I personally mm-hmm. think it will work. It's just a case of whether or not Claudio Ranieri does. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. And Don, for you, let's talk about Anguissa for a minute. I mean, he, him and Seri looked absolutely lost together their, their positioning was crazy and I mean I don't it's not that I actually wanted him sent off but I mean it could be a blessing in disguise almost that he's missing the next game what do you think so go go back to Tom real quick and cool. I'll feed I'll feed all this in I think Siri gets dropped personally I'd drop Siri right now he, he'd be on the bench and he would be a, a, a squad player Tom, I think, is actually coming on and coming kind of back into his own. And what I mean by that is I've seen a lot of creative technique coming out of him lately. And it's starting to show kind of, you know, some resemblance of what he can do. Uh, You know, he was unfortunate. He even got a decent shot off on goal. He was unfortunate to slip ball, you know, and go wide. So he's even starting to kind of get in that mindset of, you know, can I get on my left foot and get that shot off? So. I personally think you stick with the four two three one, and you leave Tom in that true number ten position. Okay, okay. A, a true number ten right behind Metro. Now behind him is still the question. Like I said, hopefully Chambers is there. I actually wouldn't have mind if Angiza hadn't gotten the red still being there. I thought he offered and looked fairly decent, and I, I think you know he he could if he's not with Siri kind of be that person who gets to feed off chambers you know because chambers mm. you know both of them like to go forward and you know offer something chambers was getting off some decent shots these last couple games so i could see the two of them working maybe together if not going forward then for now i guess we experiment again uh russian roulette let's drop cc in there and let's see what cc and chambers might be able to do i say hopefully chambers will be there yeah me too as far as in being out I'm really on the fence. You know, the, then the, the, the other question that's going to come into play is the back four, okay? And if you look at the back four, this is J-Mac and Reese. Oh, man, I'm an American fan, huge of Reem. I, I, I've liked him for a long time, but I don't know if it's lack of game or what. But, uh, he just looked banged average, you know, these last couple times I've seen him. You know, sadly, said, at this I've level. Said before, I said again, I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League. I honestly don't think he's good enough. Well, so my problem there, then, J Mac, is if 
Reem is not good enough. Odoi is definitely not good enough. Yeah. It's who no, do you drop no, in there? I agree that. I agree that. So, well, you know, what do we do? We pray that Lee Michon is okay. We drop Lee Michon in with Mawson uh, and we move him, you know, Mawson over to uh, the, the right side and we put Lee Michon in the left. And then on the outside, I guess we go back to Christy because I don't want Odoi. Yeah. I agree. And I think this is how I would start my back line against West Ham. I would have Christie as right back. I would have Mawson on the right centre back. I would have Lamarche on the left centre back. And I would have Joe Bryan as a left back. That I think it's is. It's assuming our that best. Joe Bryan's all well and good. Well, yeah, for sure. He sure looked good. When he, he looked came good. on last time, he looked good to me. He wasn't bad. He had a good. I mean, he, he was okay. He had. I mean, he was, he was fairly. He was okay, actually. He managed to get forward quite a bit. But anyway. Um, well, you know, the, the thing that I think we were kind of missing when Joe Bryan was in uh, the left side and not Lee Michon, there's several times where I heard, uh, uh, I think it was Gentleman Jim I was listening to who, who made this comment, but I could be wrong. When Joe Bryan goes forward, he doesn't seem to quite have that same speed as Lee Michon. And so when Metro, you know, holds up play, and he looks to put it outside so he can get back into the box. I think several times he turned and Joe wasn't quite there yet. And I think mm. Metro might have been missing Lee Michon there because Lee Michon seems to get in those spots a lot quicker. So that is the one downside of Lee Michon going to center back and not being on the outside back. I think there's those nice overlapping runs that he's been providing for Metro to be able to play off. Now, J-Mac and Matt jump to the other side. Okay. On that four, two, three, one on the other wing, the right wing. Mm. I was impressed by AK these last couple of times. Well, I'm very glad you mentioned this because I was going to bring this up because this is a man who's getting a lot of aggravation for someone who scored two goals in two games. And I don't really get the bad press to be honest. He works hard and he scored two goals. I think he, I think he has the, the stick that he's got away. He's conducted himself on the pitch. If you, the way he's conducted himself on the pitch, um, if you look, you know, again, this goes back to last season and the dive in the playoffs, in the playoff semi final, the dive against, I want to say, Bournemouth. I know he got, he got in trouble for that. Basically, that's been his main thing is, is his, is, is, um, is his antics there. I think everyone can agree there is a player there. I, no, I said this towards the end of last season. I think he's more of a, an impact sub. I think he's more play if you're down a goal or if you're level, then you bring him on, scare the life out of the defenders, him running at you. I don't mm. think he's quite a starting player, uh, a player that deserves to be starting 90 minutes just yet. But surely... Okay. Sorry. Uh, uh, that's fine. Listen, uh, this is where I'm going to disagree with you, Matt. I actually think he showed such good promise i could see him starting and here's why tracking back tracking back tracking back defense 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 you know even metro comes back on defense you know he doesn't go all the way back but you'll see him win balls solidly in our half and and, and you know start to play off going back to the attack ak did several times a fantastic job of tracking back so between tracking back and what he's been doing forward, I say let him start. He's earned it. I think he certainly earned it more than Schurler has, to be honest, probably for his, his recent goal scoring. But anyway, 
I, I when I was at Old Trafford, you just see Schurler raise his hand very weakly, like ask almost like he's pretending to ask for a pass that is so un like unrealistic that could possibly be passed from such a long distance. There's just something about Schurler that still bothers me, and I just really, really cannot put my mark on it fully, other than the fact he just seems lazy. But he's obviously not lazy. But I well, let me let me ask you this: in the last couple games. When you look at both uh, Vito and, and Schuler, they don't seem that much different right now. So to me, and this is why I say Matt that AK gets the nod for the for the uh, start. Neither one is really shining. Oh my God! Right now, now I am a fan of Schuler's, especially. I like his creativity when he's got the ball. I love that he takes chances, and there is a time for that—a special time that we do need that kind of stuff. It might be that he becomes more the impact sub. And we let AK mm. run at these guys right off the bat, get them wore down, and take advantage of them. But also, there's an there's an argument that if we eventually see a four four two formation, maybe who knows, we might see against West Ham that AK could actually fit. AK forty seven is initially a striker. That's what we bought him as, not a right winger. And actually, for someone to be alongside Mitro on the right-hand side as a striking partner as opposed to a right wing could suit him quite a lot because then he wouldn't necessarily have to. Yeah, me too, because he actually, I believe in the second half of Man United, we looked very 4-4-2-ish with Vieto and AK up top, and it worked. And that is something potentially we could see in the next game. But and, if we're going to do that, we still leave Tom sitting right behind them. Yeah, I think that's right. And for the next game, Reese, I'm going to go to you on this. Uh, what would you say to who we should be looking out for? Who, I mean, because uh, we've got a few injuries. We've got uh, Arnautovic isn't is, isn't free, and I believe one of them midfielders, Yarmolenko, I might have said that wrong, isn't free. I mean, Ryan is who, Fredericks. Ryan Fredericks is injured until January, luckily, because you know actually, they be got just... him listed as unknown. So hey, I think we made a good call actually letting him go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, he hasn't exactly been a very popular player um, amongst the West Ham fans. Uh, Reese, what, what, who should be watching out for in this game? Who could cause us some serious aggro? Um, is Andy Carroll on the? What's his spell at the moment? Is I he, believe. Is, is I believe he, he is going to be available. Right. So right. whoever's whoever's going to be, if we're going to insist on playing a a uh, less than you know smaller than average height ball playing center half at center back i be it either tim ream or dennis adoy we are gonna have to watch out for andy carroll it's i know i know this this does sound a bit big sam of me but they're gonna if andy carroll does play they're gonna make as much of an effort to cause as much problems against our center backs as possible knowing the kind of defense knowing the kind of defense that we have so it's got to be it's got to be an onus on us to make sure that Alfie Mawson's doing the marking of Andy Carroll because the moment he switches onto one of our smaller lads then we're in big trouble yeah and i've 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 seen robert snodgrass appears to be playing out of his skin at the moment as well so that could be something that either Lamarchion or Joe Bryan has to deal with very thoroughly. Uh, Don, what could you see our lineup being for this game? I mean, do you think we'll still go for a four-two-three-one or perhaps the four-four-two as we alluded to just before this? I think at this point, it's kind of anybody's guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not putting Ranieri down. I'm just saying it's hard to tell at this point what he's going to do. Now, I personally and this has to do with the quality of players we have, I would stick with the 4-2-3-1 uh, 
but again, that's only if we've got chambers uh, in there to kind of help relieve the pressure off the back four. If we don't, I would probably go back to an old-fashioned 4-4-2 with two banks of, of almost defending and hoping for that breakaway that Ranieri is famous for. West Ham right now are on a high, and I think they're going to come, come at us right out of the gate and put us under pressure, like you say, on those back, back line, especially Mawson and whoever his partner is going to be. And especially, mm-hmm. like Reese is saying, if Carroll's in there, you know the balls are going to be coming in over the top. Yeah. And we are not doing a great job of marking and letting those kind of things uh, uh, stop. So I don't actually have a good answer for the lineup. You know, between injuries, unknowns as far as chambers, I, I'm at a loss right now. And I think most fans mm-hmm. are. And that's, that's the frustrating thing is, you know, there's there isn't any real glimpse or hope of – how are we going to get out of this? Well, I mean, exactly. And you talk about pressure. I mean, Reese, th- this game is the start of four games that are all winnable, would you say? <laughs> I was going to say, how many of these games classify as six-pointers? Six in, yeah. in all honesty, um, this is probably going to be... Well, actually, no, West, West Ham are probably down as deep. So we can't call this one the, a six-pointer. The one against Huddersfield definitely is. Uh, the one against Newcastle, you can argue as a six-pointer, and then who's the one in between that? Wolves. Nah, no, Campbell. So this, so Huddersfield is probably the only six-pointer we have, but this game is absolutely cru- crucial. We talk about the four games. They, if we can't get a positive result out of, and I'm talking about result, not performances. I don't want to get into that argument. Result. If we don't yeah. get a positive result out of this, then I think we already knew that we're kind of in trouble anyway. We're in deep trouble if we can't get three points out of this if we can't get three points out of this it, it will then officially be time to start panicking okay so uh, i just want to clarify west ham j mac and matt you think we can get three points out of that at all well i mean what matt is alluding to is that we have to i don't think we can if i'm being honest i think a draw at best against west ham the way that that's kind of the way i'm playing yeah, that's I, I I, we can get we can get a win. We I've, I've, all these games against all the teams, you know, bottom, you know, top six down. You know the way the Premier League has sort of morphed itself is where everywhere everyone, you know, the bottom fourteen just sort of pick points off each other, like we did with Leicester and Southampton and Burnley. You know, there is there is the possibility there, and we're at home. We need to start making our, our Craven Cottage a fortress again. Against I agree. Teams. And this will be an excellent way to start it. And I'd say, whether we will is a different matter. I'm saying we can. So sadly, I'm just you know, looking at the fixtures and I'm trying to be the optimist here. I really am. At Craven Cottage, West Ham, I'm struggling to see the three points. I pray, I am praying so hard that we can because we desperately need them. Uh, I'm thinking that it could be more like a, a draw, but then we go into Newcastle, even, you know, against teams like Newcastle, I'm starting to think, Oh my Lord, are, are we this bad that, you know, I'm not going to see a win coming out of this staying positive. I still hope there there's a win there, but then you go into wolves, you know, I think we're going to struggle against them. There, this is the problem I'm having right now is seeing the light that allows us to get against even the lower teams right now a positive result. 
and it has to do with both coercion of the team, you know, just not getting together and meshing right now, and the lineup of how are we going to defend? What are we going to do to prevent these damn goals so we can actually get a clean sheet? Yeah, and I think what happened was, I mean, if we had performed like we had against Leicester, if we performed like we had against Southampton, a lot more defensively rigid and organized against uh, Man United in the first half, we would have said, it's going to be okay, West Ham is doable. And in, to be fair, if you look at it in a very positive angle, we did draw the second half of the Man United game, but they probably turned their engine up, engines off quite a lot. Um I'm trying my best to be positive. I'm trying my best to think that we can get out of this. And I think you're both exactly right. I mean, this next game is basically huge. And I, I, I really, unfortunately, as much as I want to, can't see us particularly winning it. But we shall see. What's your around. final, What what is your final J-Mac lineup then you think for the game? Okay, so for my, my final lineup would be I would have Sergio Rico in goal. Some people complained about some of his saves, but he made some great saves as well against United. So I would have Rico in goal. I would have Joe Bryan at left back. I would have Le Marchand as left centre-back, Mawson as right centre-back, and Cyrus Christie as right back. In the middle, if Chambers is fit, I would have Chambers, and then I would have Cisse. Controversial, I know, but I would. I would have AK on the right wing. I would have Cesc on the left wing. I have TC in the number 10 and Mitro up top. Um, that is I'm what I would do. Yep. Yeah. Well, well you... I got to say that I, I completely agree with your lineup. I like that. The question though is, you know, Lima Sean, uh, is he going to be healthy and fit? Mm. If he's not, then I, I, I don't know at this point, I, I guess I'd, I'd almost try Reem again, uh, let Reem and Mawson in there. Cause I'm just not an Adoy fan. You know, I, I don't want to even see him on the pitch. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to give me stick for that. I don't care. Assessi, I could see playing in there. Now, the other question would be, though, would he drop in uh, Johansson instead? Um, Potentially, I think that is the most realistic thing that will happen. Yeah, right. I think for sure. I, I would like Cissé just because I'd like to, to have a chance. But I can see if Chambers is fit, I can see it being Johansson next to him for sure because he'll just he's that box to box guy that will feed off. You know, Chambers is solidness and be able to come back and forth i think um we just what we don't need is johansson going in there though with one of his stupid little tackles and mm -hmm. somebody else getting a red right now so that that's my one concern about him stepping on the pitch yeah all right so matt have you got 11 yeah yeah, yeah i've got mine um recurring goal you know he's you know it wasn't his best to performances on saturday but i still think he's i still think he's the best goalkeeper we have um, Cyrus Christie are right back. Uh, Lemoshon and Mawson as the centre backs pair him up left side, right side, however you so desire. Um, and assuming everything's all fit and healthy, Joe Bryan and left back. Callum Chambers and Stefan Johansson as the two holding midfielders. This is a 43 mm -hmm. one. Uh, the three S's, Sherla, Seri, and Sess uh, across the front. I still, th my patient is starting to slowly wear thin with Andre Sherla. But I still think he's one of the better players we have, and I still think he does offer something. And then, obviously, Mitrovic up top. All right, groovy. And that's not too different. I mean, Don, I was just saying, actually, how Johansson is probably the more likely option, but I would like to give Cissé a chance. Um, all right. All right, so, guys, before we move on from, uh, or J-Mac moves on from, from the uh, preview of West Ham, 
I want to talk about, you guys keep talking about Rico and people thinking that uh, he, he isn't quite good enough. And I want to put out two things there real quick. Number one, you got to remember, guys, I'm a big fan of Bettinelli. And, you know, I, I still think he should have re- been retained as number one. But everybody complained about him. Now everybody's going to complain about Rico. Well, where are we going to go? It ain't going to be Fabrice because he's supposedly already out the door. I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but a Turkish club is what it sounds like. He's already pre-January in talks with and out the door yeah. too. So you only got the two. And I believe we can't even go to our U23 guy because didn't he just break his leg? If I'm not mistaken, I, uh, I'm almost positive. On. I heard that our U23 goalie broke oh, which his leg. One? We've got dozens of good goalies. Uh, Marek Rodak, Marcus uh, Norman, Magnus Norman, rather. Which one is it? Uh, one of them is out. I thought I read. I could be wrong, but I thought one of them was out. But my, my point is this. Mm. Stick with Rico for now. I, I don't care who says what. We've got to have consistency. Uh, I still wouldn't mind bets being between the, the sticks. But quit putting them down for having a bad game. You know, a lot of that has to do with the freaking four in front of him. You know, if they suck, then he's going to have a hard time and he's going to get smashed up. So get off his back, support the guy and let him be. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I was still part, I was still part of the Bettinelli um, fan club. If you, if you want to call it that, I think that you know, the majority of the problems came down to the, came down to the back four in front of him. But I just, it got to a stage where we were chopping and changing the goalkeeper and the back four so much as wanted stability somewhere. So I went right, Rico. He's proven that he's good at that. If he was a terrible goal, if he was was a terrible goalkeeper, then I'd be absolutely I'd be banging the drum saying right, let's get Marcus Bernardi back because I thought he was better than Fabry. But I just wanted some form of cohesion and consistency. So I thought this guy's a good a good Premier League goalkeeper. Let's just let's just stick with him now. I don't want any, I don't want any more chopping and changing. So that's why I'm still maintaining. Ben is a good goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong. I just want to stick with Sergio Rico. And supposedly, supposedly Leeds might be coming after bets. Tell you what, that's, It'd be, it'd be a good move for him. If, it would be a good move for him. If he's, number, if he's to be a number one in the championship, that is a very good move for him. Yeah, and I so agree. That's going to be tough. You know, Leeds comes after bets, and then this Turkish team gets Fabrice, then mm. what are we doing? Well, we we'll bring see. bring somebody in. Yeah, I mean, another goalkeeper. I mean, I can't believe we're potentially talking about getting another goalkeeper. Ah! All right, all right. And just finally, gents, I mean, a quick prediction, a quick prediction of the scores. I'm going to go with 2-2 on this one. Don, what do you think the score is going to be? I am going to predict that the Fulham fans come out in force and they turn that place into such a, a fortress that our team finally come together and they squeak out a 2-1 or a 3-2 win, and it's going to be because of the 12th man. Yeah, I, I hope so. I really hope so. I mean, the fans at Old Trafford, I was there, were fantastic. I mean, we, were, we, were, we really did everyone proud that day. And for you, Reese, what do you think of the scoreline for this one? Yeah, see, I'm on a similar vein of uh, similar idea to Don. I think this is going to be uh, – uh, yeah, put, put it in so when are we recording this? 8.31, 11th of December, 2018. I'm calling it now. This is the weekend. We finally get our first clean sheet of the season. I'm calling this now. 2-0 Fulham win. 
2-0 Fulham win under the lights, 5.30, excellent. All right, guys, great preview. All right, so after this, we have the quiz. Fulham. And welcome back to the quiz. It is a West Ham quiz, and we will start with round one. And actually, before that, I will tell you that you, my co-host here, can get a total score of 24, and if you're playing along at home, you can get a grand total of 29. All right, question one, round one. Which youngster made their debut for Fulham in a 3-0 defeat at Upton Park in 2013, which also happened to be Martin Yole's last game in charge of the Cottagers? Was it A, Chris David, B, Moussa Dembele, C, Corley Woodrow, or D, Tankovic? And I'll go to you first, Mr. Don. Say the four one more time. Sure. A, Chris David, B, Moussa Dembele, C, Corley Woodrow, or D, Tankovic? I'm going to say Dembella. Okay, Dembella. And for you, Mr. Reese? Yeah, I'm going for Dembele as well. You are both correct. Musa Dembele is the right answer. Dembele surprisingly made three appearances that season. All right, guys, question two. There hasn't been a more iconic player than the great Bobby Moore to represent both the Hammers and Fulham. How many appearances did Bobby make in the black of white for Fulham? And the closest guess wins. And I'll go to you first, Mr. Reese. How many appearances? Okay, played the ones. I'm going to go 39. 39 appearances for Fulham. All right. And for you, Mr. Don? Uh, since we're the closest to it, I'm going to say he did more than that. I'll say 45. 45. All right. The answer is 150 appearances. Um, I don't think any of you deserve a point for that. You're so off Hell the mark. No, we were so <laughs> far off. It wasn't funny. I'm not I even giving you a point for that. I'll admit my knowledge of Fulham history isn't good. I thought he was only with us for like one season, and that one season we got to the FA Cup final. Well, mm. I'm, I'm, well tickle me pink. Well, well good for him. <laughs> 150 appearances. I'm going to give you both of you zero for that because that was, that was way I, off. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, question three. Who has Scott Parker played more games for? Who has Scott Parker played more games for? Is it West Ham or is it Fulham? And I will go to you first, Mr. Don. I'm going to say West Ham. And for you, Mr. Reese, Fulham, I think we've, he's played for us. He played for us more than any other team, I think. Okay, so Don is correct. He has played more games for West Ham. He has played 129. He's made 129 appearances for West Ham. And he has made 128 appearances for Fulham. Reese, if you remember, when he was playing pundit for different uh, news organizations... He would wear West Ham colours. But it was strange because I could swear he was a Charlton fan, so I could swear I thought that would be close to his heart. Mm. Well, he made he made 145 appearances for Charlton, and he made 73 for Newcastle, 63 for Spurs, 28 for Chelsea, and six for Norwich on loan. Why did uh, I think he played more for us? That's that's a stat from somewhere I must have gotten wrong. It was just one though. You were you were close, mate. You were close. It was just one. Alright, question four. Who has the better head-to-head record against 20 Premier League games played? So who has the most wins out of West Ham or Fulham? And I will go to you first, Mr. Reese. I'm going to say, because we went to a bit of a spell where they got the number over us. I'm going to say West Ham. All right, West Ham. And for you, Don, sir? I have a feeling he's right, but I'm going to say Fulham because I believe in them. Oh, that's very lovely, but you are wrong. It's West Ham have got 11 wins, and Fulham have only got four, unfortunately, and we have drawn five times with them. All right, guys, very good. So Reese is on two, and Don is on two. 
very tight. Right. Round two, yes or no? There's been 20 matches between the two sides in the Premier League, West Ham and Fulham, producing eight red cards. Are the following names one of the eight that have had red cards? And I just simple yes or no from both of you. All right. So I'll go to you first, Mr. Don. Zat Knight? Yes. And Mr. Reese? No. The answer is yes. He, had, he is on the red card list. All right. I'll go to you for Mr. Reese for this one so you can claw back. Paolo Di Canio? No. And Don? I'm going to say no. You are both correct. He is not on the list. All right. Mark Noble? And I'll go to you, Don. Yes. And I'll go to you, Reese. No. It is no, so Reese has got a point there. All right, I'll go to you, Reese. Sasha Reetha. Oh, Sasha Reetha. Um, uh, no. All right, and for you, Don? Yes. It is no, unfortunately. That's another point for Mr. Reese. Okay. Thomas Repka. And I'll go to you for this, Mr. Don. No. And for you, Mr. Reese. Yes. He did. He got a red card on Boxing Day 2002. And Zat Knight got a red card earlier in October 2002 as well. All right. And Paul Koncheski, I'll go to you, Mr. Reese. Uh, no. All right. And for you, Mr. Don. Yes. He did. On the 23rd of December 2006, a straight red for West Ham. All right. Andy Johnson, Mr. Don. No. All right. And Mr. Reese. No. He did. He got a red card in September 2008. You've got no points there. And Michael Brown, Mr. Reese. Michael Brown, no. All right. And for you, Mr. Dodd? I'm going to say no also. You both got a point. He did not get a red card. All right. Kevin Nolan, Mr. Don. Yes. All right. And for you, Mr. Reese? Still going on this. Uh, I'll say yes as well. All right, that's all right. You've both got points for that. He got a red card in January 2014. And the last one, Bobby Zamora, Mr. Reese. No. All right, and for you, Mr. Don. No. He did get a red card, I'm afraid. He got a red card. Two bookings for West Ham in January 2007. He got a red card. So that's the six of the eight to be sent off. The two others were Leon Andreessen and Kagisha Dikajoy. Round three, the back and forth round. You get five guesses each. All right. Name the top 10 players who have made the most Premier League appearances throughout their careers. Not just for Fulham, for all their clubs. The top 10 Fulham players who have made the most Premier League appearances. All right. All right, and I'll go to you first, Mr. Don. Please say a name. Our goalie, uh, Mark Schwartz. He is on the list. He made 514 appearances in the Premier League. Well done, Mr. Don. And Reese, next one. Right now, I've got a thing. Uh, bollocks. Who we have? Bloody hell, Edwin van der Sar. Edwin van der Sar is not in the top 10, I'm afraid. He is 11th, so he is excused from that. I'm sorry. Edwin van der Sar only had 313 appearances and is therefore 11th, not in the top 10. All right, Don, next one for you. Uh, so question, this is any Fulham player ever, right? Any uh, any top 10 Fulham player, yeah, but any Fulham player you could say for sure. Okay, the only reason I ask is, well, then wouldn't our legend be up there, Johnny? No, Johnny Haynes? I, I, no, because he'd be first division. Mm, in the Premier League. Oh, okay. So most Premier League appearances. In the Premier League. In the Premier League. Well, then I'm going to say Dempsey. 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 
he is not on the list. And I don't then trust he, it. Then he, he must, <laughs> then he must not be in there. He's not on the list. I'm sorry, Don. Sorry about that. Uh, and Reese, next for you. Simon Davis. Simon Davis. Simon Davis is not on the list. He is 13th with 303. I'll go back to you, Don. Uh, trying to think here. Trying to think here. Um, how about Brian McBride? Brian McBride. Brian McBride is not on the list, I'm afraid, oh my sir. Lord. Brian McBride is not on the list. And for you, Mr. Reese. Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy is on the list. He is third with 417 appearances in the Premier League. Nice one. And for you, Mr. Don, your fourth guess. How about Steed? Steed. Calling Mr. Steed. Steed is not on the list. I am so sorry. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Steve Malbronk is, on, oh is number eight. 336 appearances. I'm just joking. Yeah, Steve is on the list. Well done, mate. And Reese, your fourth guest, please, sir. Uh, the guy we mentioned earlier, Scott Parker. Scott Parker. Yes, he is sixth on the list with 368 appearances. Nice one. And final guest for you, Don, sir. Uh, final guest. Uh, Hangerland. Uh, Hangerland. Reda Hangeland is not on the list, I am afraid, sir. I am sorry about that. And Reese, Lionel, guess from you, sir. Aaron Hughes. Aaron Hughes. Aaron Hughes is second on the list, just after Mark Schwartzer with 455 appearances. Ergo, you have got a point, sir. Well done. So that means Reese is on 8, 9, 10, 11, and Don is on 7, 8, 9. Nine points, 9, 11 so far. Here we go. Right, final round, guys. And this is Guess the Player. Actually, I before record, I didn't like that round. I, I know it's <laughs> tricky, and and just so you know, the other players were you could have had Andy Cole, who was fourth with four hundred and fourteen appearances, Damian Duff, who has three hundred ninety two appearances, Duff. Paul Koncheski with three hundred forty seven appearances, he was seventh, John Anarisa, who was ninth with three hundred twenty one appearances, and Wayne Bridge, who was tenth with three hundred sixteen appearances. That was the last one you could have got. You had Edwin. Yeah, yeah. And you had Steve Davis as 12th with 304 appearances. And Wayne Routledge with 14th with 297. Louis Boamorte at 15th with 296 appearances. And Louis Saha with 289 appearances in the Premier League at 16th place. All right, guys. Final round. Guess the player. And I'm going to name some facts for you. Uh, 10 facts, in fact. And if you get one to three facts, if you get facts from one to three, you get four points. And then so on and so forth and i will let you know so i will start listing these facts off and you will call out if you think you know the answer all right fact number one he has 57 caps for his country but hasn't scored he made 41 appearances for us he played in euro 2016 all right you're out of the four point mark this player has a 100% penalty record for Fulham, having taken and converted all three penalties for the Whites. His two other goals came from outside the penalty area, one being a free kick. Fact number six. This player was only on loan to Fulham. Oh, fact number seven. He shares his name with a certain Mr. Twist. Fact number eight. He currently plays in the championship. You're going with Oliver Norwood? Okay, I will freeze you there at eight. 
Fact number nine, he came on at Wembley in the playoff final. Do you want to jump in at all, Mr. Don? I think we know who it is. We know who it is. And number 10, he plays in centre midfield. It was Oliver Norwood. So you get an extra two points there for coming at the eight fat there, Mr. Reese. So that puts you at 13 to Don's nine. So the, correct, so the final score is 13-9. Congratulations, Mr. Reese. And as for a prize, we are going to send you Kerali's tracky bums just for you to wear personally. But actually, never put them on for the agents of the Dark Lord, Felix McGath, may be drawn to his presence. And we don't want that. Hilarious, isn't it? Okay, right. Let's go on to the next thing. <laughs> I like it. Great. Oh God. All right. Um, let's Sorry, I was, busy, I was busy looking at Scott Parker. You, you, <laughs> just you, you know, Reese is going to wear those to bed every night. Yeah. I, I already did. So I was looking. The the stat I had is he is Wikipedia, which only lists the league appearances on their little bio thing. He had uh-huh. 119 for us, 113 for West Ham. And 128 for Tottenham, so that's where I got. Okay. That's where anyway. I saw it wrong. Well, well, no big deal. All right, guys, that's the quiz. And after this, we're going to talk about a certain someone who's just joined the 100 Club. Fulham. And we are back. And so we now have a little tribute to a certain player who has just joined the 100 Appearances Club for our beloved Fulham. And that player is Ryan Sessignon. Now, guys, just this guy is 18 years old, and we only started really hearing about him when he was 16. He won a number of EFL awards last season, and I just want to talk to you about where you think how far Ryan can go, and like basically how long we do you reckon we can hold on to him for? And Don, I'll go to you first. I mean, it's very unusual to have someone that young, that good for a club our size. Uh, do you think we can hold on to him if we stay up for this season, if miracles happen, of course? I think that's a really tough question to answer and that Ryan says is not your normal youngster player. He doesn't seem to have that parent or uh, agent in his ear saying, you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to go to a bigger club, bigger club. I think he seems more down to earth. So there is some loyalty there when it comes to Fulham. Now, with that said, obviously at some point, I do think he will move on uh, just because, you know, unless something drastically changes, Ranieri gets us to, to the top here next, next year into the champions league, Ryan deserves, and I think can go all that way. I think he can be on a team that goes, to that level. Now, the question would be, and I'll go back to you guys for this, is at what position though? You know what I mean? Because mm. that's where I think the debate really starts, is not what level he can go to, but what position he'll ultimately be playing. Well, to me, for someone so young, he has evolved incredibly quickly. He's like a Pokemon, for God's sake. He just keeps getting better and sharper and keeps... I can see him eventually potentially becoming a striking partner for someone just due to his positioning and his striking capability. If he obviously times up, he's 18. He has so much time on his hands to do that. And I was alluding to guys off air, as it were, that I do see him as a Thomas Muller type player. Um, And that's how Thomas Muller started out. But I personally, I think he will upgrade himself eventually to becoming a big goal scorer for a club one day. Reese, what do you think, mate? Um, I think his role, where, wherever he leaves, is going to be 
um, on the left. It's going to be on the left wing. I still don't think he's there as a left back. And I think, yes, he is still young, but 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 the fact that he's played a hundred times for us, he's up. We can now sort of start analysing and putting into where he's going to be for the future. He's not. He's young, but he's not young anymore. If you if you try if you see if you see what I'm getting, he's established. Is what I'm trying to say. He's established, and I think he's been established more as a left winger. You know, it, be that in a four four two or in a four two three one, having an attacking left winger. However you however you want to look at it, I don't think he's there or will be there as as left back. But just in general terms, I do think he has the ability to go. As, you know, as far as his, as far as his ta- talents will take him. You know, we've seen the fact that he's played a hundred games. It's something that's been a sort of bugbear in mind. The fact that all this hype has gone around the likes of Phil Foden, who isn't mm. playing any games for Manchester City, yet Ryan Sessegnon has got a hundred games at you know, at senior level. So he's far more developed and has shown us a lot more. And yeah, obviously, I'd love him. I'd love him to stay for you know as long. You know, for twenty years, and him to be with us when he's when he's thirty five or whatever. But we know that we are we are a selling club. Even if we are in the Premier League, the the instant someone you know in this current market puts in a seventy million pound bid, I don't think we're going to be in a position to turn it down. Sure. So, I, you know, I'd like him to, but let's let's be realistic here. If he does, if he does decide to go, as long as he handles it, as long as he handles it the right way, doesn't go banging a transfer request and refuse to play and all that thing, then I, then whatever happens, I wish him, I wish him all the best in the future because it's been an absolute joy and privilege to see him develop the way he has. From that, is he a left back? Is he a left winger? Uh, when he first came in in 2016, battling with Scott Malone, to last year when he was battling with Matt Target and whoever the other left back. Uh, left backs were at the time this to see him develop and grow in front of our eyes has just been a joy to behold it's been you know the, it's been a dark season but it's been one of the few positives that we've had um as Fulham fans probably in the last you know since the Europa League run it's probably been the most positive thing we've had is that we've got this homegrown player you know he's ours we didn't buy him in from anywhere we created him. It's it's just been fantastic. So I will say one other thing, you know, that <clears throat> could be a big factor as far as where Ryan ends up playing, and that's Stephen, um, hmm. you know, his brother. I'm sure ultimately he would love to be playing first team with his brother. So sadly, Stephen had his injuries. It, it set him back. And so the question is, if Stephen's on the right path, and he gets into the first team, yeah. does Ryan say, you know what, I'd rather play here with my brother than go somewhere else, okay? So that's one thing uh, I think will come into play or probably will come to, into play because they seem like a tight-knit family, you know. Of course. They really support each other, which is awesome because you just don't see this kind of stuff a lot anymore in the modern-day sports. So I, I, kudos to them. I love that. Now, the other thing I, I want to point out is – or my opinion, this is my opinion. I can't say I'm going to ever see Ryan as being the head striker, the, the, the spear of the point. I personally think he plays off people better. And it's a kind of a combination of several people. You, you mentioned uh, Mueller. 
you know, I kind of see a little bit of Dempsey in him as that, you know, he, he pops up in the right place, you know, and gets these goals that people call lucky or garbage goals, but he was in the right place at the right time. Now, the other thing that I do like about Ryan and some people, you know, like you said, would compare him to be like Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale started out as a defender and became more of a forward. And we've seen the opposite where people started out as a forward and progressed more as a defender in their professional careers. I don't see Ryan ever going back to being a left back or a defender. I think he's always going to be best as either like a number 10 or playing off another striker playing right behind, say, a striker like Metro, or definitely on the wing. I think mm. that's going to be his thing. And I think this is where, you know, it's still early in his career. He's still developing. Yes, he's not 16 anymore, but, you know, he's still developing. And so the final product of where he's going to play, I think, is ultimately still to be seen. I, we just don't know. So... Now, uh, uh, you know, with that, that means he is a great utility player. And that's one of the things that you love about him is you can kind of drop him in almost anywhere and say, go do this role. Yeah. Okay, well, if if, if he's going to be that utility player that we can just place him in any position, I mean, is there an argument, for instance, that he could be in that sort of free-roaming sort of partnership with Mitrovic just behind him as almost like a sort of pairing, striker pairing? Well... I would say no. Reese, do you think he could be that, let him go and be a free range player? Um, no, personally, I don't. I think he'd be more suited to stick, stick, sticking to a position. Uh, I don't think he's quite got the, no. Because when I think of a free, a free role position, the first name that comes to mind is, is Cristiano Ronaldo. And I don't think, I'm not, not comparing the two instantly. Uh, I just don't think he quite has the skill set uh, to be able skill set to be able to do to do that personally so i think i think he's best stuck uh stuck to one uh one set position and this is where i agree with you and i i'm struggling to remember the the fixture here but it wasn't that long ago uh to to our listeners where ryan was put in this weird position uh underneath ranieri and it was you know he was to be a strike partner but he was also given free range to roam but he was also expected to go back and defend. And I think he kind of got lost in maybe translation, you know, what his actual role was. So I kind of feel like he needs a more specific role. He can't just be told, all right, go do, do it, make it happen. I kind of feel like he's got to be told, okay, you're the strike partner. We need you to help feed off Mitro. Okay. You're the wing. We need you to make those awesome runs down the side balls in, or, you know, even, I, 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 people won't like this. I could actually see him playing the Siri role. Okay. I could see him being next to Chambers if we had to and working out of the middle, feeding off of LeMachon or Brian on the outside. So I think he's a utility player. There's no holds bards for him. The question's going to be how far his talent takes him and what he thinks about leaving Fulham and his brother. So, yeah, and the tie that he has with his brother is huge. I mean, you, I, I tend to forget, actually, that they're twins, for God's sake. So, And the thing is, I really... The, the thing that, strike, that that I love about Ryan, obviously his talent, obviously his quick uprising throughout the ranks, but it's his passion. It's his 
love for the club. I mean, I mean, I almost it brings a tear to my eye when you actually see him just beat that badge proudly and start applauding the crowd after every game. He loves us very much, and I feel like, you know, I don't know how QPR feel about Raheem Sterling. I don't know if they feel they felt as much love for him as we do for Ryan. Probably not because he left quite quickly. I think towards uh, to go to Liverpool, but. I really, really hope that no matter what happens, Ryan keeps showing that love for Fulham because he is for sure going to progress to be probably a very bright star for his future clubs and for his country, I have no doubt. All right, well, before we wrap up, guys, I'm just going to say also that with Ryan, out of all the players we've lost um, to clubs, uh, you know, youth prospects, the Patrick Roberts, the, the Hydemans and... You know, and, and other players that we love so much, like Dembele and, and Dempsey going to Spurs. With Ryan, there is just this special specialness with him that no matter where he goes next, there's never going to be any bitterness because he fulfilled something with us. He brought us back up to the Premier League. He loves the club more than any of those players did, in my opinion. You can see it in his eyes when he looks at us every time he proudly bangs his, bangs his chest of, of that FFC badge. and. No matter where he goes next, we'll all support him. And to make a hundred appearances for someone his age is fantastic. And you know, I just we couldn't salute him more. So Ryan, congratulations and thank you very much. And we look forward to keep watching you rise and rise throughout your career. All right, guys, I think we'll we'll leave it there. The lovely pod, girl, lovely to talk to you. I haven't spoken to you guys in ages. And um, just to say, thank you for my co-host and thank you for all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us on iTunes and tell all your friends about us. And by the way, we are on Spotify now. So if you have Spotify, please add us to it. And in the meantime, send us your thoughts of any of the talking points or things that you'd like to see discussed on the show on Twitter using the hashtag Fulham Focus. And next week's show is out on Tuesday and will include all the fallout from the West Ham game. God be with us. All right, so that is goodbye from me. That is goodbye from Reese. Good night, guys. Nice one. And then it's goodbye from Mr. Don. Goodbye, everyone. Nice one. Ta-ra, everyone. Mm-hmm.